Uh, when I was in second grade, so I think I was like eight years old, I had a friend at the time whose name was George, and I went to the bathroom, and I see George in the bathroom, and he's like, hey, John, this is the rundown of the situation. I'm taking, pa I'm taking these paper towels, I'm running them under cold water, I'm pumping soap into them, and then I'm slamming them onto the wall and see how long they can stick to the wall. Why don't you join me in this endeavor? And I was like, George, that might be the smartest idea I've heard in my entire life. So I do it, George and I are slinging wads of soapy paper balls at the wall. Then this kid comes into the bathroom, his, he was in third grade, his name was Juan Morillis. Oh shoot, <laughs> I just said his full name. His name was, his name was uh, Jeffrey Sanchez, came in. He looks at two of us, then he turns to me and he's like, hey, what's your name? I'm like, uh, John. And he goes, what class are you in? I'm like, Miss Rodriguez's class? He's like, okay. And then he leaves. I was like, okay, what a weirdo. Then his teacher walks into my teacher's room and he's like, uh, is there a John in this room? And I was like, yes. And she goes, a little birdie told me that you were vandalizing the bathroom walls. I was like, first of all, what a snitch. Second of all, I was throwing soapy paper towels, not even, but I, I, whatever I said, I, I must have been so like stuttering because I was just like, I, 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 and she was like, I don't want to hear it. You know how, you know what a big deal vandalism is? You want to grow up to be like one of those punks? I was like, I, what, uh? and then she left the room. My teacher looks at me and she's like, John, 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 why am I not surprised? I was like, yo, and I just remember like being so devastated and she, the, the one line I remember she told me was, you know I'm going to call your mother, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And to my, to my saving grace, George stood up, went to Miss Rodriguez and, she, and he said, I actually told him to do it. And she was like, guys, what, <laughs> what is this? Some kind of like drug cartel or something? But <laughs> she, she was like, okay, you know what, fine. Uh, George told me it was soap on the wall. So why is, I don't know why this is a big deal. Uh, yeah, I share this traumatic story in my life with you guys because I think, I think there are very few things in life that really, that there are a few things in life that we hate more than someone getting wrongfully accused of something that he should not have been, right? When we see what happened to me, the injustice that was done to me, we see stories like the Johnny Depp case, right? And we see the, the, the turmoil that people like us have went through. And we're like, where's the justice? Where's the love, <laughs> right? And on the flip side, on the contrary, we see people who were rightfully accused and rightfully convicted and we see justice being acted on them, and we're like, yes, here is the justice, here is the love, the Lord has won this day, and we feel so good, we feel so victorious when things like this happen. And as we dive into our passage today that we had just read, I, I think we see both of these phenomena, is that the plural of phenomenon? Phenomenon in the passage that we just read. Um, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So if you have been with us in the last few weeks, um, you may know that I'm going through the book of 2 Samuel at Joe, as Joe goes through Romans chapter 8, verse by verse. And specifically in 2 Samuel, I will be going through the life of David as he's coming into kingship and as he's becoming just a, a bigger man of God and a king of Israel. He makes a lot of mistakes along the way. 
Um, but we haven't read much about them yet. So far, he's been like a really, really great guy. Like I said, Stephen Yoon vibes, right? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, there, there are a few key characters in our passage that I think we need to have a mutual understanding of before we can continue. So number one is David. Obviously, he's right now the king of not entirely Israel, and we talked about this the last time I spoke, but he's not the king of all of Israel yet, but he's a king of Judah, which is a singular tribe in Israel. And there's someone else whose name is Ishbosheth, which we had just read about, and he's the king of everywhere else except for Judah, all of Israel minus Judah. So he's been king of Israel, and if you remember or if you're hearing for the first time, Ishbosheth was King Saul's son. So Saul was the first king of Israel. He had a son named Ishbosheth, and yeah, that's his son. And um, we talked about this last time, but he kind of finagled his way into becoming king of Israel before David could become the full king. <clears throat> and yeah, so that's, that's, who we're that's who we're reading about. And as we look into our passage today, right, as we look into what the heck just happened, we see these two people, these two characters, Rahab and ben 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 Bena or something, they think they're coming to do David a favor, right? Because what do they do? They go to Ishbosheth when he's taking his noonday rest, as it says. They kill him. They first, they shank him, and then they cut his head off later because apparently he was still alive. And then they bring the head of this guy to David, and they're kind of like celebrating. They're like, David, look, Ishbosheth, <laughs> you know, head of Ishbosheth. And you know what that means? Now that he's out of the picture, you can be king. Right? And if you were with us in the last sermon, if, or if you were with us over the summer, you know how big of a deal this is. Right? I, I've been like, talking about this almost every, every time that I've spoken, but David was waiting a freaking long time to be king. He was told that he was going to be king as a really young teenager, and at this point, he, I think he's in his like, mid, mid to late 30s. Um, he was, he's been on the run. He's, he had, it's just, he's been through a lot. He's seen a lot of stuff. And at this point, um, the people that killed Ishbosheth, they're coming up to him and they're like, David, finally, finally, we can rest. We can go home. You can take your rightful place as king. And everybody wins, right? But David does something really interesting. He roasts them first. He's like, who the heck do you think you are? And then he kills them. He kills the people that were supposed to be on, their, on his side. The, he kills the people that were looking out for David and he doesn't even think twice about it. He doesn't even feel guilty. He's like, yep, I did the right thing. And as we, as we dive into our passage and as we go deeper, I think reading this, I bet the two people who got killed, they must have been pretty surprised to see David's reaction. They were like, uh, David, this is the guy that, you know, the guy that we don't like, right? Remember Ishbosheth, like that guy. Um, and honestly, maybe even as we're reading this, we're like, that seems like a really surprising reaction. Maybe he could have just like sternly scolded them. He's like, hey, we don't do that around here. But he kills them, right? He kills the people that uh, did supposedly did David a solid. He kills um, the people who killed the person that should have hated David the most. Right? And who was Ishbosheth? As I said before, Ishbosheth stole the position of being king over Israel from David. He shouldn't have had it. Why? Because God told David he was going to be king. Saul died. David became king of Judah. And then Ishbosheth came in and took the rest of Israel to become king over. 
Um, David spent the last several years of his, like multiple years, like over 10 years running from Saul, Ishbosheth's father. And now when everything seemed to be going right, um, Ishbosheth, I keep saying his name, Ishbosheth, I'm going to call him IB. IB comes in and just like ruins everything, right? David was so close. David was so close. And because of old IB, everything was ruined. And now he's defending IB from the people who were on David's side. And if, if what I'm saying makes you think, why is David doing this? Then I think the answer to that question is going to be our main point for today, which is that David knew exactly who Ishbosheth was. David knew exactly who Ishbosheth was. And to understand this, we need to understand what about Ishbosheth that David knew. Right? And I think the first thing that David knew about Ishbosheth is that David knew that Ishbosheth inherited Saul's curse. David knew that Ishbosheth inherited Saul's curse. And what do I mean by Saul's curse? Because that's not exactly a pair of words that are found in the Bible. Right? And so if, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you may know that throughout the scriptures, and maybe even these days, but people had an understanding that the person who birthed you and the person who raised you, i.e. your parents, those people had a big impact and those people have a big impact on what potentially could be said about you. So, for example, if your father were an amazing person in the Old Testament, you would have a reputation of, oh, that kid whose father is an amazing person. What's an example of that? When God says, I am the father of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. Father, 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 son, grandson. Right? So um, if your father was a really strong, prominent figure in the Jewish culture, then it was like, oh my goodness, this guy is the son of Moses. This guy is the son of Abraham. Like, he must be from a great family. On the other side, if your father is not so great of a guy, someone who's a sinful guy, who's known for many mistakes, someone who's done a lot of terrible things, for example, Saul, that will have a say in the way that people look at you, right? Oh man, this guy is the son of Saul. Ugh. You know, the Saul who we thought used to be a good king, but then turned out to be not so great of a king. And he chased this young kid with an army for years. And now his son is going to be king. Like, really? Okay, and that, I think that's the kind of uh, mentality that the two guys who killed Ishbosheth had, right? So, uh, depending on who you came from, that may or may not set some type of precedence on a re reputation that you will have amongst the people who know you. Okay, and going even a step further, not only do the sins of your parents affect your reputation, they may even affect who you are as an individual as well. They may even affect your life. Right? What do I mean by this? For example, Saul's sins, what were they? He grew jealous of David. He sent a teenage kid to fight in a war. He came back successful. He got jealous of him. He tried to pin him to a wall. He tried to kill him. He chased him around for years, and then he died. His sin was jealousy. His sin was rage. His sin was attempt of murder, right? manslaughter even. This sin ultimately prevented David from becoming king for so long. 
And what happens with Ishbosheth? What happens with old IB? When IB came around, Saul's sin permeated through IB's life, and now David was prevented from becoming king again, even longer. Right, so the sins of those who came before us, the sins of our parents, there, there's an idea in the Bible of generational sin, and it is, it is a real thing, I believe. And don't we see this in ourselves today? Right, is, isn't this something that we see today? And, you know, as much as we love our parents, right, sometimes we see them throw a, like, we see them get really angry, we see them short of temper sometimes, we see them yell, sometimes unreasonably, and we think to ourselves, you know what? I swear on my life, I will never be like that, ever. And then what happens? Someone irks us or makes us mad on, a, on just one bad day. And the next thing we know, we did what we swore that we would never do. And it's just like this, this guilt-ridden thing like, man, why did I do that? Why am I like this? And the ultimate example, which I can give, obviously, is the sin of Adam and Eve who were the first humans to ever walk this earth. Because of their sin, they've cursed every single person who came after them. And now you and I, right now, suffer through the reality of sin. We are sinners now because of one sin that was committed. Spoiler alert from the catechism before, they didn't do it, <laughs> you know? Every single one of their offspring was cursed with sin. So this is what I mean when I say Ishbosheth inherited the curse of his father, Saul. All of Saul's baggage, everything that he was, all of his memes and dreams, supremes, he inherited. And here we come to our passage in verse 8. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 8. And they said to the king, this is the two people that killed him, and they said to the king, here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. The Lord has avenged my Lord, who's David, the king this day, on Saul and on his offspring. And you know, as I read this verse, I feel this very tense awkwardness in the room when they do this, because they're, they're going through so many details about IB, right? And it's, it's like, they bring Ishbosheth's head, as if David couldn't recognize him already, and they're like, hey, David, here's Ishbosheth. And David's like, and they're like, uh, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. You know, you know, like, are we talking about the same Ishbosheth? Are there two Ishbosheths here that you maybe, like, we got mixed up? Like, this, this is the guy that, the guy that, who chased you for years, this is the guy that, who hated you, who tried to kill you, and we got his son, and now you can be king. Why aren't you happy, David? What are you doing? What are you thinking? Like, did you, what happened? And David looks at them. He's like, are you, do you guys think that I don't know who this is? You think that I forgot? You think I somehow magically forgot that Saul chased me for over 10 years? You think I forgot that I was so close to becoming king? You think I forgot about the hardships in my life that you think that you're explaining to me now? You're telling me what, what, who this guy is? Am I stupid to you? Am I stupid to you? Right? David knew who Ishbosheth was. He knew what they were doing as they walked in. He knew that he was Saul's son. He knew exactly what was going on. And he knew, he knew that I.B. inherited all of Saul's crap that was unloaded onto him. He knew all of that. And honestly, 
This is not to say that what they did and their mentality was wrong either, because they were just saying facts, right? He was the son of Saul. He was your enemy. And this is an act of revenge sought for you and your offspring. So they were right, technically. And David is mad, obviously. And he's like, okay, I know who this guy is. So you may think, okay, if David knew whose head this was, and he knew the situation, and he knew why they would be so happy to bring them his head, why did he respond the way that he did? Right? David knew that Ishbosheth inherited the curse of Saul because he knew exactly who he was. But still, why did he do what he did? Why was he so mad? Why did he kill the people that were on his side? There is more to who Ishbosheth was than just the curse that he inherited in Saul. And this is the second thing that David knew. David knew that Ishbosheth was a righteous man. David knew that Ishbosheth was a righteous man. This might come like a, out of left field, like a really surprise, but in verse 10 to 11, uh, David, David responds to this when they say, Oh, we brought you Ishbosheth. This is what David says. When one told me, Behold, Saul is dead, and thought that he was bringing good news, I seized him and I killed him as Ziklag, which was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more, when wicked men have killed a righteous man in his own house on his bed, Shall I, not require, shall I not now require his blood at your hand and destroy you from the earth? So what is he saying? He's saying, okay, the last guy who told me that Saul died, what did I do to him? I killed him. And now you think you're going to get any other different treatment because um, you told me that Saul's son died? No. Not only did you tell me that he died, but you killed him yourself. So you're dead. <clears throat> this sounds extremely extremely contradictory to what the previous point was. Right? The fact that David calls Ishbosheth a righteous man sounds extremely contradictory to the fact that David knew that he inherited all of Saul's sins. Right? Because if he inherited all of Saul's sins and he inherited the curse that his father brought and not only that but he was sinful himself, he prevented David from becoming king, unrightfully so, then why did David call Ishbosheth a righteous man? Right? Why was he righteous but not the people who killed him? <clears throat> David knew David knew something that maybe no one else at this time knew. And what he knew was that Ishbosheth was righteous not because of what he did, but because of who he was. He was righteous not because of what he did, but because of who he was. And this, this is probably said in almost every, every one of my sermons from the, the, the stories of Saul and David. But Saul was the first king of Israel, not because he, he worked his way up the ladder, not because he was um, like a political figure and eventually became king. He was king of Israel because God looked at him and he said, I'm going to anoint you as first king over Israel. Right? Saul was insanely delusional. He was insanely unreasonable. He was insanely murderous. His son was bad also. 
But at the end of the day, Saul was anointed by God himself to become king over Israel. And David knew this. Therefore, therefore, if Saul is an anointed one of Israel, Saul's son, Ishbosheth, is the son of the anointed one of Israel, thereby deeming him a righteous man according to David. David says, I know what he's done. I know what he probably would have done if he were king. He probably wouldn't have been a terrible king because he has no experience. We've never even heard of this guy up until now. I know that Saul's a murderous psychopath. I know that he's been trying to kill me. I know that I've been running for my life. I know that I was so close to becoming king for so many years. I know all of these things. But because the Lord chose this man, and this is his son, he is righteous. And you are not to kill a righteous man, especially in his own house. David was communicating. This is what he was communicating. Don't you dare touch him. You already did it, so too late. But don't you dare touch him, for he is a righteous man. <clears throat> you thought, this is David speaking to the two men, you thought you were doing me a favor by killing this man. You thought it was, this was like the one ticket way to becoming king. right? And you really think that becoming king was the most important thing in my life. You really thought that becoming king was all I wanted to do. No. I love the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. He, he's, he, leads me, he wrote that entire psalm. I don't know it by heart. Oops. But the Lord is who I love and he anointed this man and this is his son and you killed him. The last question I want us to consider <clears throat> is this. David knew exactly who Ishbosheth was, both the good and the bad, mostly bad, but that one good thing. He knew exactly who he was. So, how much more, how much more does God know who we are? And our last point is this God knows exactly who we are as well. David knew exactly who Ishbosheth was. Great news for Ishbosheth. Too late. But even more so, even better news is that God knows exactly who we are. And when we look at the things that we struggle with, when we look at the sins that we commit, we look at the sins that maybe we've even inherited from our parents or those who came before us or those that we, we grew up with, we look back and we look at the things that we've done and we, with such regret, like, man, is this really who I am as a person? Um, whether, whether they came from something that we've seen ourselves or whether we started them, like we've, we've started a new sinning trend because we're trendsetters. <laughs> and we're like, I am not righteous. I deserve nothing, not even, let alone God's grace. But just as David considered Ishbosheth righteous, not because of what he did, but because of who he was. So does God consider us righteous, not because of what we do, but because of the blood of Jesus that covers us. Right? And it didn't matter what Ishbosheth did, because he was the son of the anointed one of God. 
And for us, it doesn't matter what you have done, it doesn't matter what you do, and it doesn't matter what you will do. The fact is that the grace of Jesus covers all sins, that for those who are in him are deemed righteous by God. So that when God looks at us, right, when we enter the gates of heaven and we look at all the things that we've done in our lives and we're like, I don't deserve to enter heaven, God says, why should I let you in? Jesus will come and say, no, no, this is my guy. I'm, I'm with him. Don't look at him, look at me. And that is the punishment, or not the punishment, that is the reward, reward that we receive for the punishment that Jesus received for the sins that we commit. And we're able, we're able to look at the sin in our lives, in the eyes, and say, I am an anointed one of God. I will not be condemned. I will not be condemned. And what are we reading in Romans chapter 8, verse 1? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. There should be, but there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, you know, as we, as we continue to live throughout Rutgers and continue to live throughout the adult life, um, this, yeah, may this truth, may this gospel, whether you're at Crossway, whether you're at anywhere else, may we never forget this. Right? Not to say that this is a ticket to do whatever you want, but may we never forget this, that whoever and whatever we've done, we are considered righteous because of Jesus' blood. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for, for looking at us and, and deciding that what you see is not the sins that we have committed and what you see is not the failures the mess-ups, the inconsistencies that we've done, but you see the Son, your own Son, who died for us and rose again. <clears throat> and we thank you, Lord, for knowing exactly who we are. You know our ins and outs. You know even the number of hairs on our head despite knowing exactly who we are, all of our brokenness, you still say, this is my beloved. This is my anointed. And may we believe this truth, as difficult as it is sometimes, may we believe that we are your anointed, we are your children, we are yours, and that you know us. So we thank you for this truth, Father. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.